don't think this was a great place to bring the children. It still beats Disney's California Adventure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, which one of these psychos is going to help me catch my killer? He's right in here. Access denied. Oh, fine. I got to use a fork. Hello, Bob. Ah! Sideshow Bob! Oh, come now. We've been through so much together. Just call me Bob. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode EABF01. It is the sixth episode of the 14th season, I want to say, off the top of my head. It is The Great Louse Detective. I am Dando. I am Guy, and the top of Dando's head is indeed correct. This is the sixth episode of season 14 of The Simpsons. The Great Louse Detective, Dando, in a nutshell, your thoughts on this episode. I, I remember the first time I watched this. I specifically remember the first time actually watching this episode, and I really enjoyed it when I was younger. And I think the reason for that being that, A, it's got Sideshow Bob in it, but B, mm-hmm. the throwback to Frank Grimes made it feel different and made it feel special, made it feel like a bit of a callback to the, the golden era of the show. I'm also just a big fan of just whodunits, and I think for the first time in a while, Homer's life actually felt like it was in genuine danger. Even though you know he's the main character, he's not going to cop it. Yeah. Still, I thought that this person was actually, you know, in Simpsons in the Simpsons world, this person was actually close to killing Homer. I mean, that scene <laughs> with the sauna, terrifying. I'd hate for that to happen to me. It'd be the worst thing ever. That is up there with terrible ways to go. Oh, yeah. burning! I think would be the burning would have to be the worst way to go, right? Burning, surely. Cooking, yeah, like in a sauna. Oh, yeah, not great. Oh. No, not, not and, at all. And, no. and, the, and the way they depicted it in this episode as well, with uh, Homer getting all baggy and everything like that. Oh, yeah, not yeah. not pleasing. Not pleasing. No, but I enjoyed this. So, I, I, like I said, I'm a big fan of Who Done It ones. The last one we had was, I think, the. The one where Homer was screaming a lot and he remembered seeing Smithers' dad uh, dead in, yes. in the pond. This isn't the best Bob episode by any stretch, but I think any chance to get Kelsey Grummer to sing a song, you're going to take it. And the song at the end, <laughs> that's the one part of the episode I didn't really like when I was a bit younger. I was always like, ah, whatever, that song doesn't really add anything to it. But I thought the song was actually quite sweet this time. Hmm. I actually enjoyed it. So I gather from the way you asked me that question, I take it you didn't like this episode. It's not that I disliked it. It's more... And I don't know if this is going to put me on the outs with a lot of people. I don't know if I'm the biggest fan of Sideshow Bob episodes. Okay. Yeah, you're not a huge fan of the Cape Fear. or not Cape Fear in general, but you're not a fan of the rake scene. I think it's a little overrated. I think uh, people who tend to say, oh, it's a comedy classic. I'm like, mm, I, I get it in principle, but I, yeah, I understand it, but I don't feel it, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And I, I feel that way with a lot of, Sideshow Bob stuff. I mean, it's strange because I do enjoy Kelsey Grammer. I uh, I find him um, an interesting and enjoyable actor. I'm not a, I'm not the world's biggest Frasier fan, having said that. But I mean, like, oh, Frasier, yeah, I'll check this out. And I'd I loved what he did on Cheers. I love other things that he's done. And I think he suits this character very, very well. I mean, I think he's, I wouldn't go so far as to say an iconic character, but He's definitely earned his place in Springfield, if you know what I mean. I mean, Springfield wouldn't yeah. be the same without Sideshow Bob. 
He doesn't feel like a guest star anymore. He feels like just a character. Yeah. Kind of like Joe Montagna with Fat Tony. Indeed. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's been a couple of years. Kelsey's not doing much. Or, you know, <laughs> let's bring Kelsey in. He'll enjoy it. We'll enjoy it. So it's not like if I hear, hey, it's a Sideshow Bob episode. I'm going, okay, it looks like I'm flicking over to King of the Hill or something like that. But it's more like, uh, they wouldn't make my top 10 or my top 20. I would have to sort of go back and be quite exhaustive in my research to go, okay, where is Sideshow Bob fit in my Simpsons appreciation? And I don't think he'd be all that way up. Having said that, Great Last Detective was perfectly fine. I mean, I got a few good chuckles out of it. One thing that I did think watching it was, and I think we've talked about this a bit when we've been talking about season 14, season 13, The Simpsons is very much in a state of flux. It's working out where it is and where it's at. In yeah. the, in the early stages of the 21st century, it's, you know, it's a teenager. Particularly with the other now. shows that it's now trying to compete with. There is, yeah. And I mean, it, with a lot of the gags in this with a lot of things that were name-checked, it felt like we're throwing everything at the wall. You know, it's like we, we've yeah. got to appeal to a younger audience, maybe the audience that were, was on board with us when we first started 14 seasons ago. They're ageing out a little bit. We've still got to keep their attention, but at the same time, we don't want to appear like, okay, <laughs> okay, Boomer, this is your show. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, who do they name-check in here? It's like, oh, something about... J-Lo. Yeah, J-Lo. That's right. Who got hit upside the head? J-Lo P. Diddy, yeah. J-Lo P. Diddy and got hit upside the head. It's like, those feel like names like, who, who's on the cover of Us Weekly? Who's on the cover of um, whichever, you know, supermarket tabloid this week? Throw them in. But at the same time, they're doing, you know, the old Johnny Carson jokes, the American taxpayer, ladies and gentlemen, or, you know, the Tom Brokaw bit. I mean, Tom Brokaw was probably still... I don't even know who that is, and I'm, not, I'm I'm sorry, listeners, I don't know who that is. Prominent American newsreader, as far as I can tell. I gathered he was something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... I'm assuming, he, I'm assuming his t- tagline is something on the lines of, like, this. that was the new generation or something, or...? I think he was very big about big-upping uh, the veterans of World War II. I think, I don't know if he coined the phrase the greatest generation, but I think he was a oh, guy who was... Oh, he was the one from the episode we reviewed earlier in the season, or last season. Sounds they're about doing right. the Civil War reenactment. Sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, and the, the old folks were getting him to say that they were the greatest generation. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's, it feels like it's trying to be all things to all people. Not to the point where it, it feels kind of desperate or grasping or anything like that, but it also kind of has this impression, like, oh, we'd better throw some modern references in there so, you know, some 10-year-old or 11-year-old or 12-year-old or teenager who's uh, tuned into the show and go, yeah, these guys are speaking my language. They know who um, <laughs> they know who P. Diddy is. Well, I, what I liked about it was storyline-wise was that the first time I watched it, I didn't realise it was going to be Frank Grimes' son, despite the fact that they make it mm. as obvious as possible. When you know it, who it is and you rewatch it, you go, ah, they showed who he was. He looks like Frank Grimes. He sounds like Frank Grimes. It should have been obvious, right? But what I liked was the way they... Name dropped Frank Grimes earlier in the episode, just mm. as a passing comment. I liked when uh, when Frank Grimes Jr. and Homer were interacting at the car crush scene, and mm. he was being rude to him, and Sideshow Bob says something on the lines of, now Homer, the last thing you need is another enemy. I was like, ah, <laughs> name check. So I liked the way they planted those seeds throughout. 
But um, but yeah, I I just that, I still think it was a, a nice little reveal and callback to one of the more iconic one-time characters. It is funny as well when you get to the end and the identity of um of Grimes Junior is is uh, revealed. Going back to that bit where Homer's listing all his enemies and Marge sort of pops in, don't forget Frank Grimes. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> but I still, yeah, I, I still didn't mind it. Uh, like I said, not the, not the best sideshow episode by any long stretch, but it's still still enjoyable. And I did like that they still kept that thread of his little feud with Bart going as well. It wasn't just a case of, yeah. oh, he's turned a corner. No, he still does not like Bart, but mm. he's been given a task. And if he really wants to take that role in the, the prison musical, he's going to have to abide by the rules. Absolutely, yeah. And I did like how... It was a nice bit of misdirection because you're right, he does still have that uh, vendetta against Bart, but he's not really paying Bart a whole lot of attention for this episode. It's really the uh, the Sideshow Bob and Homer show. Yeah, that's true. Bart's sort of just there every now and again. Yeah, and every once in a while he's like, eh, is Bob going to kill me? Or we're thinking, is he going to come after Bart at some stage? What's going to happen? Well, they kept sort of just they kept the thread going by things like when he was playing darts at Moe's and he has the shepherd Bart and things like that. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, he still doesn't like Bart. They're, they're still on the back of his mind. Like, so he's yeah. he's doing this to help not not to help Homer, but he's doing this because he needs an excuse to get out of prison. He's going to get that spot in the musical. But in the back of his mind, he's like, the reason I'm doing this is so I can escape and eventually get Bart. Yeah. Hey, my favorite. So, what was your favorite moment from the episode, Mister Davis? There are a few bits and pieces that I uh, that I enjoyed. Uh, uh, actually, two of them are below the waist, so this is going to get a bit racy. But, um, I did like Yes Man getting a nice bit of friction um, during the yoga bit. I thought it's a pretty racy gag for the Simpsons. Yeah, that was my favorite. Was one of my favorites as well. Do you feel a pleasant tingling? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not long after that, when uh, Homer is in the sauna. Rainier Wolfcastle King goes, I just couldn't stop laughing at the line. Don't stare at his famous wang. <laughs> I really liked, I wore nothing. <laughs> now, I've probably you know, blown one of my trivia questions by flagging that one already, but I don't care. It was, it's, I just wanted to sing the praises of, don't stare at his famous wang. <laughs> I really liked also Homer attacking himself and Bob's reaction of, None of this seems odd to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, as, as I spent a little time saying earlier, not the hugest fan of Sideshow Bob, but I don't think you can dispute Kelsey Grammer's dedication to the character, dedication to the show that he keeps coming back and doing it. And also just, he's really created, again, I won't say iconic, but a very memorable character and a very real character as much as you can make yeah. something real out of Sideshow Bob. It's a genuine performance and a genuine mm-hmm. bit of character building. So yeah, props to Mr. Grammer for that. And his and his timing just can't be beat. Kelsey Grammer's got terrific comic timing and also just those dulcet tones. It's just a voice that, you know, the man's made for is it AMSR or ASMR? You know that thing that you put a, you put uh, on a YouTube thing that goes for like 10 hours and it's, it's just someone whispering like that. <laughs> Go to sleep. He was cast perfectly as a radio DJ in Frasier, wasn't he? Very much so. Yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right, trivia. I've only got two questions here, it seems. I must have forgotten to write down my third. So, shall I kick off? <laughs> or do you, you want to kick off? 
You go right ahead. I've I've got a few, but having said that, as I may have already put the line through one of them, but go right ahead. You start. All right. My first question is, what was the name of the movie where he got his famous wang out? <laughs> Cross that off. Nudist Camp Commandant. <laughs> I wore nothing. Uh, nice one, Rainier. <laughs> um, what time is Marge's new personal best for vacuuming? Oh, I figured you'd have that. It's going to be it's three minutes and something. Three minutes and 40. Is that right? It is. Or, you yeah. nailed it. Nice work, man. All right. What's your second and final question? <laughs> what's the name of the book that Homer, or the magazine that Homer wants to purchase from the Quickie Mart? Oh, damn it. Oh, I, for some reason. It's, I, okay, here's I, a clue. Who's the clue? Marge, let her. Ooh. What? Out? Oh, oh, yeah. No, it's Jugs and Ammo. Yes. Well played. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, da, da, da. I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. What is it? Who is the psycho in prison who gets bumped up the psycho ladder? If you know what I mean. Oh. They shift so him around. Bumped, who, who gets bumped down? The, only one of them gets named, I think. Yeah, so decapitating Harry gets put back down a, yeah. a notch. Oh, okay. And the guy is just... <laughs> <laughs> you got it. I wonder if prison guards in actual prisons just have like nicknames for the inmates that they don't tell the inmates. <laughs> I have a buddy who like, works cr- out like, at... Like um, Crazy Steve and stuff. <laughs> I have a mate who's worked out at Barwon Prison. I'm not sure if he's still there. I should ask yeah. him. Next next time I'll ask him. Yeah, do so. I'd love to know. I will. <laughs> All right, guys, that is trivia for The Great Louse Detective. We'll be right back after this short break with our full in-depth review. Yes, it is that time once again for our weekly shout-outs for our beloved patrons. Kicking off with our $100 patrons for the month, Sarif, Chris Dixon, Brian from Boston, and Chris Reynolds, absolute champions. Also, shout-outs to our new $20 patrons, Dylan Haggett, Zach Pruitt, uh, Kevin Dental Plan Flood, Andrew Zer, Kane Von Nagy, Christopher Darby, Joel Yoland, Jordan Moleman, Richie, Katie G, Nick Barbaro, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Jenna Rice, Reese Roberts, Adam Sanderson, Matt Thompson, George McMenemy, Keith Nedham, Stephen Roberts, Ben Smith, Sean Devey, Bella Winderbank, the iconic June fucking Richards, David Stewart, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, and Groundskeeper Noah. Thank you so much, guys. Also, shout out to our new $5 plus patron for the week, Mr. Martin Hush. Remember, guys, if you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best way to do so is by becoming a Four Finger Discount patron, where for as little as $1 per month, you get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts, including bonus Simpsons reviews of classic episodes, movie reviews, early access to all of the shows we do here at Four Finger Discount, as well as access to our exclusive Four Finger Discount Facebook community, prize draws, monthly Zoom calls with Guy and myself, and much, much more, just for as little as $1 per month at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. But for now, sit back and enjoy our review of The Great Laos Detective. The original air date of The Great Laos Detective was December 15th, 2002. It was written by John Frink and Don Payne, directed by Stephen Dean Moore. And there was no chalk gag this week, just a couch gag. It's the one where Homer uses the TV remote to flick the family back in time. They go mm. to the prehistoric era and the Roman times. Where would you Indeed. prefer to go, prehistoric era or Roman times? I think we've had this question recently. I chose, I chose prehistoric. I just love to see dinosaurs. I chose Rome because, because of the orgies. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Did you see today, slight sidebar, oh. that 
a group of scientists have been given a $20 million grant to potentially in the next five to seven years clone a mammoth, an actual mammoth. Yes, yeah, yes. No, yeah. <laughs> Exciting I, times. I, Jurassic Park's it, coming to life, mate. It was. I, uh, I sub-edited a story about this for my, in my day job. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, this Harvard guy, one of the renowned biologists and geneticists or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, uh, an American-Russian collaboration because apparently these mammoths, these genetically... The first uh, time for everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey all These genetically engineered mammoths would run wild in, um, in this huge preserve in Siberia. I think it's marvellous. You know, and it, you know, the lessons of Jurassic Park notwithstanding. I don't know. Mammoths are cool. Let's see more of them. And if they do it, they have to get Jeff Goldman to say, crazy son of a bitch did it. Crazy son of a bitch did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, honestly, if they can somehow climb a mammoth, and I know it's not going to be a real mammoth. It's going to be something that resembles a mammoth or something because mm. they can't get actual DNA of the mammoth or something like that. But look, mate, if they can make it a mammoth or something that looks like a mammoth come to life, it's, it's play on, mate. It's game on. It Dinosaurs is. Dinosaurs the next step. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently it has a lot of positive ramifications in terms of mm. uh, climate change and... The ecosystem, yeah. The, and the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. That's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating story. I don't know. Science doing good for once, you know. Yes, that's right. So, and besides getting vaccines to keep us alive, Mr. Davis. Yeah, if you believe in that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to turn off your Joe Rogan, buddy. <laughs> you double vaxxed, are you? No, I'm single vaxxed. I'm getting double single vaxxed vax, yeah. uh, next Friday. Ooh, <laughs> exciting times. The lovely Louise very cleverly said, if we're getting the, when we get our double one, get it on a Friday so we can recover over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, apparently the second one hurts more, mate, or fucks <clears throat> you up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, we'll be all right. Uh, oh, we'll be fine. Have you, have you had one or two? I've had the single, yeah. So I get my second one in about four weeks. Yeah. Cool. Then I'll be superhuman. (laughs) Jump in front of buses and shit. (laughs) Just just so you know, four-finger discount, your Vax Positive podcast. So the episode kicks off with Marge doing some vacuuming, breaking her own personal best. I thought this was silly. We're supposed to believe that she vacuumed up Maggie? What? I I did find that a bit ridiculous. Uh, Not that great a gag at all, honestly. Although it wasn't um, even it wasn't funny. There was nothing funny about it. Maggie was very cute coming out of the bag. And although, like with a lot of things in this episode, stretched on maybe a quarter too long. Yeah, yeah. This just needed to have a go, and that was it. Instead, she went. Fix the fix the the little bow up and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's like. This joke went for five. It should have gone for three. Now, putting that aside, and this is just me being horny as I always am, I kind of like Marge's look with the bandana and the knotted shirt. Like, nice look, Marge. <laughs> it tends I'm, to be her spring clean attire. It does. It does. Yeah, she's got a little bit of Rosie the Riveter thing going on, but uh, I like the you know the bandana and the head and the shirt knotted at the midriff. Like, that's a good look for you, Marge. Keep rocking it. I think that's what she wore when she was uh, doing the veggie garden with the crows attacked Homer. Yeah. It, it, it felt like one that I'd seen recently, but I'm always happy to uh, to see it. 
So Homer walks in with a mail call and he puts all the mail into the George Foreman mail sorter, which is kind of a data gag now. You don't really see George Foreman shit everywhere. It used to be, I remember when I was a teenager, I had a George Foreman grill. Have you ever had a George Foreman grill? I got sucked in. I bought one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never did, which is surprising because I, I tend to be a sucker for that kind of thing. I've, I've got various uh, kitchen instruments <laughs> that have been used maybe three times and then put away. <laughs> to never be you got a Gordon Ramsay this and a who's who's the who's the other chef that um, Jamie Oliver something? I, I've got, I think I've got a, a few Jamie Oliver things. One thing that I do have, I didn't actually buy this myself. My good friend Steve got me this. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's a, a an engagement present. <laughs> but when my ex wife's kind of like really this, <laughs> but it was just a before eBay those, when you can just flip all that shit off. <laughs> true, it's one of those hot dog cookers where it's got the spike so you can put the hot dog bun on it. And yeah. then it's got a little steamer next to it where you put a little bit of water in, then you put your, your Franks in, steams them up. It's a, basically a one-stop hot dog shop. Um, when, Wendy's used to do that, but they used to, they used to cover that stick thing in butter first and get it all in there. Oh, it was delicious. <laughs> I I don't know if Dando's actually putting up the video of this anymore, but you should have seen him when he was talking <laughs> about the butter. He was doing... Ooh! <laughs> yes! Gesture. So... um. Yeah, shame you're not seeing that. <laughs> Use your imagination, folks. But I I never used the butter on it. I might have to drag this out again and make myself some dogs. Some what? Some dogs, yeah. Some dogs. Have you ever... See, I'm not a huge... I don't eat hot dogs anymore at all. I just don't... I don't eat pork or anything like that. But mm-hmm. hot dog condiments, are you yay or nay? I'm very yay. Yeah, some people don't have sauce on their dogs at all. I, I was speaking to someone at work just last week and they said... Only toppings, no sauce or condiment of any kind. I thought, wow. What sort of toppings? Onions or whatever, something like that. Mm, no, I can't go for that. My ideal dog has mm. the following. Caramelised onion, which you can get in a very nice jar. Uh, gherkin relish. So that's on your bun. Then you put your dog on. Then a little bit of uh, yellow mustard. American yeah. mustard, essentially. And uh, tomato sauce. Tomato sauce, yeah, bit of sauce and mustard. See, someone said the someone said at work that they put tomato sauce on their hot dog and they got laughed at. Yeah, I know that's strange. I think it's in Dirty Harry that mm. uh, Clint Eastwood pays out his partner. He says, "Yeah, one thing that really turns my stomach is watching you eat those hot dogs. No one puts ketchup on a hot dog." I'm like, oh, I'm "Sorry, Clint," because <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I put I put uh, tomato sauce on a hot dog. I'm not ashamed. When I used to, I used to put the mustard on, mustard all the way. But mustard and sauce is a great combination, though. Mustard and ketchup, yeah. Yeah, particularly with that uh, very yellow, toxic-looking American mustard. Yeah. Yeah. But shout-out to our American friends who just call that mustard. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how do we get to talking about uh, dogs? Oh, the George Foreman thing. Um, yeah, yeah. No, so but, Homer eats all the bad mail, which included a patty and summer birthday invite. and yeah, Indeed. The short answer to the question, no, never bought a George Foreman grill. <laughs> the family are then invited to a, well, they get a free thing in the mail, a free weekend at the Stagnant Spring Spa. And I remember when I first watched this, I went, why would you get that in the mail? Oh, the killer did it. <laughs> <laughs> but they go to the spa, as you mentioned earlier, it's where uh, J-Lo hit P. Diddy across the head with Gary Coleman. Coleman? Hmm. Uh, they do seem to have a lot of affection for Gary Coleman in the writer's room. They, you know, throwing him little bit parts and giving him shout-outs. Oh, on you, Gary. He's now, they're now getting the tour around the place. It's not just for gals, it's also for vain 
effeminate uh, men as well, including Kent Brockman and Tom Brokaw, as you said. Then Bart uh, is planning to send a chocolate bar. Is it called a Babe Ruth or something? A Baby Ruth? I think they're called a Baby Ruth, even though though they sound like they're named after the famous baseball player Babe Ruth. I mean... Mm, That's what I thought, yeah. But he's going to send that down the the mineral... Was it mineral springs or something? The mineral springs bar? Gonna pull I mean, the that's a good gag. Classic gag. If I'm in a pool and I see that, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, pulling the caddy shack. Duty. <laughs> <laughs> that's no big deal. There was in um, was, what movie was it? The In Between Us Two, I think, where someone did an actual genuine shit in oh, the yeah. water slide. Yeah. What did Jay and Jay took a bite out of it? Uh, I don't know. If he took a bite out. I think he just slapped him in the face when he when he got out. So he he got out and he was happy. And he got out the slide oh, was- and then bang right in the face with a big shit. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love the in betweens. It got really big, really fast, and then just fell off a cliff, it, didn't it? They just vanished. Yeah. I mean, did they make two movies? They did because the in betweeners two was Australia. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But the the show itself, I thought, was absolutely hilarious. So dirty, but then high schools are dirty. <laughs> Yeah, it was the for me. I always saw it as kind of like Sex in the City for teenage boys. Mm. It was like oh, oh, they're saying all this. It's, they're saying the stuff that we say behind closed doors, but they're saying it on television. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to this day, I mean, uh, someone could just say, "Oh, friend, football friend," I'll <laughs> just crack up, crack up. That's yeah, funny, funny show. Nicola, whenever I said Nicola about the between, and she goes. Never really liked it because they brought the word clunge into the vocabulary of people, and I hate the word clunge. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that's probably even worse than the alternative. Yeah, not good at all. <laughs> uh, by the way, listeners, I apologize if you can hear a screaming child outside the room. Holly's teething once again. <laughs> oh, poor little miss. But we're, we're only down to one child tonight. Elliot's been handballed off to the, uh, the grandparents. We needed a break. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's get back to the episode. So, yeah, Bart is going to send the chocolate bar down the um, down the, the mineral spa or whatever, and they say you're going to go to the Dr. Masseuse area. Mm-hmm. Bad posture has flubbled and snozzled your neck. I'll stop talking like this if you write me a check. I was going to look it up because it, I don't know if it was around this particular time, but there was a real Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I'm going to try and find the way to fold Dr. Seuss and Renaissance into the one thing. I was going to try and be really clever. Sorry, folks, you're seeing how the sausage is made here. I couldn't pull it off. I couldn't pull off that (laughs) that particular sausage. Seeing how the sausage is made. (laughs) Indeed. But was it around that time that they, the Jim Carrey's The Grinch came out and Mike Myers' The Cat in the Hat? I think that was the early 2000s. I'm going to say 2005 for Cat in the Hat. Okay, then. Hmm. But the the first Grinch movie came out in 2000, no. The one with Jim Carrey. Okay, I think that the Jim Carrey one was the first Dr. Seuss one to really sort of go mainstream again. Yeah, because there was a real there was always, that, there was always that, that set of books in the library at the school that you're like, yeah, it's okay, I guess, but... <laughs> That's for babies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... That's the way you always saw it. But there was the Carrie Grinch, there was the Mike Myers, Cat in the Hat, one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, and then they did the animated ones. There was the Lorax and Horton Here's a Who. And yeah, Dr. Seuss was very big again for a while. Marge is getting massaged with all the turtles. They throw them into the used bin. Felt sorry for the turtles. Poor little turtles. Mm. Someone protect them. Then the woman gets stuck in Homer's back fat. Don't keep was it, don't keep moving around. You'll only sink faster. Yeah. None yeah. of this is like overly funny. It's just, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, then we get the the bit that I did like, the, the feel the pleasant tingling and the uh, the American taxpayer. So that's a Johnny Carson 
joke, is it? I think so, yeah. That, that sounds like the kind of um, comic... Uh, Rhythm that he delivery. would American tax delivery. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you, Dando. Came to my rescue. Appreciate it, mate. The American taxpayer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> then we get Homer in the uh, sauna with, uh, I want to send me Bane, but it's Randy Wolfcastle. Oh my God, a naked celebrity. Be cool. Don't stare at his famous wing. Ha ha ha. Go ahead. Look, the whole world already saw it in nudist camp, Commandant. I want nothing. So then the killer arrives because Randy Wolf, uh, Randy Wolfcastle walks out, and he turns it from invigorating to broil to murder. And Homer reads the rules of why you shouldn't, why he shouldn't be in there. Does the collar pull, but it's actually his neck fat. Then gets stuck in there. And I've just got here in brackets. This would be terrifying. I just, oh man, just I never used a sauna for a long time. Maybe because of this episode, just oh. subconsciously, I always had this fear of being trapped in the sauna. I don't. Really? Maybe it was just this episode playing on my mind without actually realizing it. I don't know. I just. I, I would have been about. It was, it was after I met Nicola, so I would have been about twenty-one, twenty-two before I used a sauna for the first time. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were a sauna guy. I mean, being in Australia, I don't think many people are. But no, I always like that. You know, you look at say somewhere in Norway or somewhere in Scandinavia or Russia, how they've got those those sauna treatments where, right, let's go into a punishingly hot room and now let's go jump in the coldest river. It's like, wow, you've got to be tough if you're going to, you know, be in Scandinavia or Russia. But at the same time, it also looks kind of invigorating. I remember being at Norlane Waterworld when I was younger and this girl, she would have been, I don't know, maybe 16, 17, late teens. Mm -hmm. She just came running out of the sauna and just passed out straight away. Just from too much heat to too much cold straight away. Just bang! She was like, she was chasing after, she she was chasing after somebody, and she just dropped, and she was out. (laughs) And then Radio Wolfcastle walked. It was too much for her. (laughs) So Homer thinks he's going to die, as you would, but Krusty finds him and refers to him as a steamed gentile. We now are at the police uh, station, and Wiggum asks if Homer is living a double or triple life. So the gag here, I'm assuming, is that Homer is living a double life, right? Because he denies triple. Triple? Yeah. No. But yes. let's roll back just a little mm-hmm. bit to the very start of that uh, of that uh, scene where they're at the cop shop. Did I hear this correctly? And did Clancy Wingham say, "Ah, don't worry, us pigs will solve this"? Did he say pigs? It sounded like Maybe he, he said, did. Us pigs will solve this. Now that you've said that, I can almost hear him saying it. So maybe he yeah. did. And it wasn't like a gag or anything. I mean, presuming it was a gag, but it wasn't played as a gag and no one sort of responded to it. Like, I mean, I was expecting, you know, Lou or someone to say, speak for yourself, chief, or something like that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm pretty sure he said, don't worry, us pigs will save that. I'll solve this crime. Then he says they're going to need a twisted mind of a murderer in order to solve this crime. Marge suggests, is that in Paris? No. I'm never going to get to go to Paris. I'm pretty sure the family do go to Paris at some point later on, though. So they then go through the prison. They're walking through. Each criminal is crazier than the last. We've got them all in order. You mentioned decapitating Harry before. Now, we've got a gag here. It beats Disney's California Adventure. Now, I get I get this because that theme park's actually really good now. It's got the cars, right, and various other things, right? Yeah. But I watched a documentary about Disney in general uh, on Disney+. Plus. would have been a couple of months ago. And when Disney's California Adventure like first opened, or there was a brief period in the early 2000s there where it was just shit and it was outdated oh. and no one was going there, I'm assuming that was a take on this. Okay. Ah. Yeah, because I was wondering about that. It does seem like, yeah, I mean, I picked up, oh, okay, they're 
clearly not a fan of Disney's California Adventure, but uh, whether that was just them having a go or the place was legitimately bad. Yeah, it needed a complete revamp, and that's what they did. They pumped heaps of money into it and just fixed it up, yeah. Well, well, thank Disney can afford it. I think they've got the money. In fact, they've got all the money. It also raises the question of the Simpsons were known for taking the piss out of Disney in various forms. Mm. I wonder if Disney would allow them to do so now. I wonder if they still have that contract where they can't have anyone interfere. Like, did it change when Disney took over? Because I know the rule was that Fox executives couldn't interfere with the writing and whatnot. Did When Disney That's... took over Fox, do they have to carry on that rule or do they get to make their own new rule, I wonder? That's a really interesting question. I am not well-versed enough in entertainment law to uh, answer one way or another. But you would think that The Simpsons is valuable enough IP, that's intellectual property, for those of you out there, uh, of course you all knew that, uh, that they wouldn't mess with it too much. They'd probably be like, eh, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. I would think so. You've been around for, you've been around for 30 years. You probably know what you're doing. Just continue. <laughs> By the way, congratulations to all our friends who work on the show. They're about to launch season 33 in two weeks' time. Or maybe it's even no, it's next week, I think, September 26th. Wow. I think, something like that. Crazy. Wow. 33. The, the Simpsons are older than me. Oh, are they? No, they're just younger. Cause they, they started in 89. So, yeah, so they're just younger than me. Crazy oh, times. You, you've grown up together, Dando. Yeah, I, I forgot that I'm 33 now. Oh, I'm getting old. <laughs> Right. I know I'm not old, don't worry. <laughs> You're oldish. I'm getting I'm getting there. I'm getting old. No, but You're... the 50s the new 50s the new 30, isn't it? <laughs> not the way I feel. <laughs> <laughs> or the way your car feels. Should we tell the listeners what happened today? Uh yeah. Uh those of you who have been on tenterhooks with the saga of Percy Pole of the Volkswagen will be sad to know that despite the best efforts of uh Grant the mechanic down on Mercer Street, uh, Percy Polo is kaput, bit the dust, cannot be salvaged. Well, not without, yeah, the kind of under the uh, under the bonnet work that <laughs> would probably make me bankrupt. Uh, so, yes, say farewell to uh, my little grey Volkswagen Polo, but do say hello to the Reef Bullshark e-bike that I have bought that has arrived that is currently being assembled by professional motorcycle, I won't say mechanics because the guy at the shop said, mate, I'm not a mechanic. Actually, no, he said, I am a mechanic. I'm not, I'm, I am a mechanic. I'm not an electrician. So I can put everything else together. I'm not sure about the uh, E part, but that looks fairly straightforward. I'm pretty sure you can handle it. So it uh, looks like I'm going to be on two wheels rather than four for a little while. Although the beloved Margaret, uh, my mum, has lent me her car in the interim and I'm sort of zooming around in that. Why don't you and I just go pull an insurance job on your car? <laughs> we probably could do that, actually. <laughs> so what, what do we do? We just uh, tow it out to somewhere in um, in Carrara or North Lane or something, and the old no- the old North Shore cliff straight off the onto the bridge onto the beach. <laughs> Take it out to Whittington. Yeah, do, do, the, do, do the Homer Simpson. Toronto! <laughs> <laughs> hey, that sounded like a great plan. Except, guess what? We What's just that? announced it on a podcast. <laughs> That's fine. They they know we're wanted criminals. How many warrants? How many warrants do you have out for your arrest? Seven. Hypo- hypothetically speaking, we could do that. <laughs> anyway, so where were we up to in this episode? Oh, the California Adventure. Yeah, blah blah blah. So William uh, has to use the fork to reveal who it is. 
and it is Sideshow Bob. And we get the, I like this, it's a bit of a classic gag, the, ah, Sideshow Bob, I just call me Bob. Ah, Bob, because <laughs> every time they used to see Sideshow Bob, the two kids scream, Sideshow Bob. I like that. Yes. We come back from commercial, and we're now getting, uh, we're in the back room where the deal's getting done, a deal's in progress, mm-hmm. and they offer Bob the chance to pick his role in Man of La Mancha. I don't yes. know what that is. I apologize, listeners. I'm very uncultured. Do you know what Man of La Mancha is? Uh, look, I've got a, a basic uh, understanding. It's uh, the mm-hmm. story of Don Quixote, the errant knight who, well, oh, yeah. basically sort of, it, he's not quite right upstairs and he's sort of going around picking fights with windmills and shit like that. Uh, he's got his little pal Sancho Panza who's like, yeah, Don Quixote, you're the best, even though you're not really. Um, yeah. and it's, well, it's, the, the, the Simpsons make a joke about this. No, Marge, this is my quest. I'm like that guy. I mean, Don Quixote? No, not him. I'm pretty sure his name is Don Quixote. Fine, I'll look it up. What was it? Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but that, well, that is uh, that is that musical. Man of La Mancha. Okay, there you go. So he agrees to do so, he, but he will need round-the-clock access to the Simpsons family, or Simpson family, especially Bart. Homer then offers the chance to stay with them in order to do so. So Homer is now putting his life, or putting Bart's life in danger in order to save his own, as Bart points out. Which didn't dawn on me until Bart pointed it out either. <laughs> we then get the taser put on... Was it not a taser, what is it? It's just like a... a yeah, like a shock collar. Shock collar kind of thing, yeah, on yeah. Bob's leg. But they've taped it to his leg hair. So don't try and take that off because it will really hurt. <laughs> I, I had to put a Band-Aid on my leg the other day and um, I'm a hairy fella. So, um, yes, when I did take it off in the end when uh, I think, oh, yeah, I'm probably not going to be bleeding anymore. I had to go that... Ah! <laughs> I mean, it wasn't super painful, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, this is unpleasant. I don't. Well, we, ladies, we, we I, have. I don't know how you do it. They, <clears> the <throat> daycare ladies at Alias Daycare, they put a because he, he fell over and scratched his ankle, so they put this oh. giant bandit on the back of his foot. It went all the way across the back of his foot, across his Achilles heel. It's been on there for a week. We won't let us take it off. It's just, just. I'm thinking tomorrow night when he's in bed. He's going to have to sneak in and just like rip it off because he's just going to freak out otherwise. He won't let me go near it. I got, I'm changing his nappy. He's like, ow, ow, ow. I'm like, Ali, it doesn't hurt. He like looks at me. I'm like, it doesn't hurt, mate. There's nothing okay. there. It's just a Band-Aid. And your solution to this or your plan B in this situation is to wait till he's asleep and then rip something off a sensitive part of his body <laughs> and that won't upset him. <laughs> Ali, rip off before you go to bed. <laughs> Check out my chainsaw and hockey mask <laughs> I tried to say that really fast and I couldn't Try and say it Elliot, can I rip your bandaid off before you go to bed Try and say that really fast I couldn't do it Elliot, can I rip your bandaid off before you go to bed Yeah, perfect, you did it, well done Much okay. more talented than I am <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming over to your place tomorrow night to do it then. Oh, please do so And make sure you, you have my chainsaw and wear a hockey mask <laughs> Homer, think carefully Of all the people you have known who might have reason to do you ill? Hmm. Well, there's Mr. Burns, Fat Tony, the Emperor of Japan, ex-President Bush. The late Frank Wines. PBS, Stephen Hawking, the fat little Dixie chick. And the state of Florida. What they even chucked in the state of Florida? A throwback to, I believe, Kill the Alligator and Run. Yes, yeah. Also, in a line that probably wouldn't get uh, included today, one of Homer's enemies is the fat little Dixie chick. Oh yes, that's true. Yeah, they were very um, they went very political for a while. They didn't they? Well, they yeah. I mean, uh, post uh, September 11, lest we forget, um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think they were at some stage said, oh, we're ashamed to have George W. Bush as our president or we're ashamed that we're from the same state or something along those lines because, you know, you had some people thinking, oh, yeah, September 11 kind of sucked, but uh, have we really thought through this whole, you know, war on terror thing? So, yeah, the Dixie Chicks, now just known as the Chicks, they've dropped the Dixie from their name, uh, were, yeah, quite vocal in saying, war? What is it good for? So... Yeah, they copped a bit of flack for that, and I guess Homer was one of the people doing so. So Bob now obviously wants to go follow Homer through a normal day so he can try and figure out who is going to be the person that's going to be trying to kill him. Cuts to them hang gliding. Homer just wants to impress him. I've never been hang gliding, but I did see a really cool video recently of a guy who hang glided. It was a special little setup. He had a bed with side tables and everything, and he went hang gliding. That sounds like the, the dream life. Yeah, they, they they pushed him off uh like off this cliff, this giant cliff, and he just glided all the way down to, to safety. It took him about half an hour, but he had a nap in the air. Crazy. What a dude. I'll try and find the video and send you the link. I I watched it and immediately thought Guy would love to do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's two of my favorite things, getting high and sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the uh yes, the Brunford list of people, they've gone hang gliding, blah blah blah. We're now at the Quickie Mart. And they mentioned Mardi Gras here. That's going to be coming up. Then he reminisces about the time that he robbed a poo from all the way back in the first season. Krusty gets busted. The first time, not the first time we see Sideshow Bob, but it was the first prominent Sideshow Bob episode. Hmm. And uh, a poo misses uh, Bob because the, the robbers these days don't know how to do it. But Bob, he knew the dance. <laughs> we then, also Homer, Homer wants to buy the magazine, cuts through the car smashed up. See, I told oh. you, you cannot drive. I uh, cannot read a magazine and drive. So Junior is there to pick up the car. It's all a wreck. Homer's, Homer's just very rude to him for no reason at all, is he? He's done nothing wrong. But the thing is, though, that's exactly what he was like to his dad. So it, it made sense. It, it, it does indeed. By the way, a quick rewind. Sorry to do this, Dando. But uh, a nice little throwaway gag on the cover of Jugs and Ammo. It's a publication oh, yes, yeah. by Larry Flintlock. Play on notorious smut peddler, the late Larry Flint. Your hero? One of mine, absolutely. There's you and there's Larry Flint. (laughs) (laughs) Look, Junior, I expect this to be fixed with quality GM parts. But your car was built in Croatia. It's made from old Soviet tanks. Just fix it, Mr. Sassbrench. Homer, please. The last thing you need is more enemies. Right, right. I'm counting the pennies in the ashtray. There's two. We're now setting up the booby trap to try and see which person's going to come out of the shadows and try and kill Homer. And what's the line he says here? We're like the hungry Cassius waiting for the noble Caesar. Mm. Sideshow Bob is very intelligent. That's what I like about it. Mm. He's very Kelsey Grammer, I guess you could say. Sideshow yeah, Bob. Very much so, yeah. Although... Big big words. It's just it's the He brings the Frasier-esque style of humour to The Simpsons. Mm. But he sounds so smart that you wonder, is he actually smart or does he just sound smart? Yeah, maybe he just yeah, uses big words. But he just, you could almost call him flamboyant, couldn't you? Oh, yeah, he's very theatrical. Yeah, yeah. theatrical, that's a better way. Theatrical is a good term to, to describe him for sure. So they, they shock him. I, I don't know, what do you think of the whole shocking gags throughout the episode? Mm, take or leave. Yeah, how many, and how many, how many do they have? Like maybe three, four? Yeah, there's a few. And I, I just yeah. kind of felt bad for Bob by the end. It's just like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. It's and just a way all, to, it almost felt like a way to, to kill time as opposed to be funny. It did, yeah. And also, I don't know if they made enough or too much even 
of the fact that the the button kept jamming. No, that only happened once. That only happened Did once. It? Oh, okay then. Because hmm. that yeah, didn't the, even the other time. The, the other time was the birds just repeatedly hitting it. Every, oh, okay, every other yeah. time, it was just it was just the the characters just being rude or being. Dicks. Okay, it felt like twice. The, the, the oh, maybe it was twice. Maybe it would come across me. But I can't remember the one time that Marge did it. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't really work as a gag, and nor did it work as a story kind of device either. I mean, you would think, oh, you know, this thing's faulty. Oh, that's going to pay off somewhere in the third act, and it doesn't really. So, no, the, the fact that it got jammed. No, I think it was just the case mm. of Marge wasn't go- the gag was Marge wasn't going to do it for a long time, but she's just like, oh. Maybe just a little bit, and then yeah. it got jammed. Oh, so that's, okay. that's the joke there. Yeah. I guess. The various people who attack the dummy Homer are Mo, the Patty and Summer throw Summer. the center block. Uh, we got Lovejoy, Willie, then Homer jumps on. <laughs> None of this seems odd to you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> We're now at Mo's, and Sideshow Bob is shooting darts, and he's designed the face of Bart, and he throws a dart in the middle of the head at the end just to finish him off. They then question Bob on how could you possibly not kill a kid? He's just a kid. I would have just come up behind him and slit his throat, got it done. You know, just easy peasy, which pays off later, that, that joke there. Yes. But then Killer then tries to reach in through the door and shoot Homer, but unfortunately shoots Moe's jar of pickled eggs instead. And Moe is very sad about this. That The line of, oh, I should have taken more pictures. It's so true. When someone passes away, you always think, mm-hmm. why didn't I take photos then? Or why didn't I take more yeah. videos? Or why didn't I call them more often? So I, I did like the, the fact that, that this jar of eggs has been with Moe, the character, since the beginning, essentially. I like that. <laughs> it's been used in so many gags, it's almost a, a character in itself. Mo's <laughs> the jar, jar of eggs. pickled eggs, yeah. <laughs> so we're back at home and Bob notices that there's a black smudge on the uh, the invitation to the, the spa. This is the first clue on who it could possibly be. Was this the first time you'd seen this episode? I think so. If I'm, 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 I get the feeling I must have seen it before. So did, did you go into it knowing it was Frank Grimes Jr.? I did, but not because I remembered it from a previous viewing. I think I was doing my internet research before this and you know, probably read the Wikipedia oh, Did you do research before you watched the episode? Oh, a little bit. Oh, man, I, I go in completely blind. I, I, that's how I prefer it. I prefer to not know oh, okay. anything that's going to happen. No, I, I, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. I think I brought up the Wikipedia page for some reason. Yeah. I think it came up because I was looking for images to put on the patrons page for the, uh, yeah, the mailbag yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and it just caught my eye then. Yeah, so I knew going going in that it was Frank Grubbs Jr. I did like the sort of the deduction by Bob in working all that. I mean, it, it's not necessarily Sherlock Holmes level, you know, detective work, but um, I don't know. It, it felt like it paid off properly. But we'll get to that when we get to that. In the in the meantime, as have we already done Homer being uh, elected? King of Mardi Gras? No, not yet. So Bob is um try- he tries to sneak the button away from Bart as they're talking around the kitchen table. That's right, yeah. And Bart just you know gets him back by continuing to zap him. Then they're watching that thirty show, a take on that seventy show. show. I liked also, that seventy show when I was younger. I never went back and revisited it though, because I feel like no. it's one of those shows that I think is best to be left in my memory. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, got a had a pretty good cast. A few good names came out of that one: Topher Gray, Sasha Kucha, Mila Kunis. Good cast. I think they stopped showing reruns when Danny Masterson got done for yes, the for whole being a, being a bit of a sex pest. Yeah, so they sort of just went, "Yep, we'll just pull the pin on that one." Yeah, it was a shame that, because I think it was a funny show. And it, like you said, it was a good cast. It's a shame it that was something like that. Yeah, tainted the. I, uh, it, the it, it, I guess it could. I guess you could say it will become a forgotten show because it won't. I don't think it'll ever air on TV again. Probably not. 
No. Don't ever get me started on the Cosby show. <laughs> you know one show I wish they'd put on TV? There's two shows. I wish they'd put two guys that go into Pizza Place back on, reruns. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I wish they would put Third Rock from the Sun back on. Because that show deserves some love. Joseph Gordon-Levitt and John Lithgow. Awesome. Do you think it's on any of the streamers? Well, not the ones that I know of. I've got it all on DVD. But I've always really liked Third Rock from the Sun. I've always felt it to be very underrated. It went for six seasons. And it sort of lost its way towards the end. But those first three or so seasons, really funny stuff. We now return to That 30 Show. Hey, Pop, where's the crank on this Victrola? Why, it's the latest model. From now on, the only crank in this house is your Aunt Gladys. For your information, I'm cranky because I've got polio. Oh! (laughs) Tom Shales gave this show a good review. And I'm the one in prison! I'm assuming, you know, Sasha Bob, not a fan of That 70 Show or Slash That 30 Show. Marge then questions Bob on his progress, and he hasn't made all that much, so she gives him a small shock, or so she expected. Turns out he gets stuck, and he gets zapped for a long time. The joke here, that when they cut back to it, and he's got the afro, so that's the way his hair looked in his first episode appearance back in the first season. Oh, okay then. Hmm. Yeah, I think the telltale head was the first time we see Sideshow Bob, for all you uh, Simpsons nerds out there, and he's got the the little afro. Bob then says, look, Homer, the only way to stay safe is to stay out of sight. So Homer tries to hide in the curtain. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. But then <laughs> this is where he gets uh, gets revealed that he has been elected as the king of Mardi Gras. Good things happen to bad people. people. <laughs> I love how, you know, Bob tries to point out, clearly this is, you know, <laughs> this is a stuffed ballot box. All these things are written by the same person. Nevertheless, the people have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> Lines, speaking of lines that wouldn't make TV anymore. Marge, you're embarrassing me in front of the drag queen. (laughs) Uh, 2002, different time. We come back from commercial. Brockman's doing the news report on Homer being elected the king of Mardi Gras. Also, side note, he is in grave danger. (laughs) He may not have long to live. (laughs) Bob then reveals that he, oh, this is where we get the, you know, he's only one because of the stuff ballot box, like you said, the people have spoken. Homer oh, still does, he, still wants to, he still wants to do it, he doesn't care at all. We're at the Mardi Gras, and Bob's, he knows the killer is out there. He's, he's be, willing to bet his fortune of cigarettes on it. <laughs> <laughs> then Homer mentions that he has Lenny and Carly on, on the lookout, and they're both just drunk talking to a girl. Homer then hears gunshots, but, oh, it's just Italians. This floor's already moving. I didn't even hear the engine start. Yeah, it's really running quiet. Some mechanic tuned it up right before the parade. A mechanic? Then that's when it all dawns on me. He realizes it's the mechanic. Yeah, they still yeah. haven't said yet who he is, but if, if you look at him, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Hmm. I know that guy. I remember actually, <laughs> I actually remember when it first happened, I thought it was going to be Frank Grimes never actually died, and it was gonna, they were going to be bringing back Frank Grimes. Oh. Oh, okay. That's for some. That's young, dumb, fucking twelve-year-old Dando thought that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, yes, maybe, and it's a little later down the line. But maybe the explanation as to why he's Frank Grimes Jr. Maybe a uh, an attentive parent did a little earmuffs thing and said, "Well, we can't have Brendan listening to that." Homer says for everyone to sacrifice themselves in order to slow him down. They do so, and he's heading towards the museum of swordfish. That thing's been nothing but trouble. I like that line. <laughs> I, I thought I thought the Museum of Swordfish was a pretty neat gag. And I also yeah. did like, um, you know, the guy who got run over by the float saying, how about some beads? They're not for dudes. Okay. <laughs> Just Homer being so upfront. They're not for dudes. 
Bob then uh, goes back to his roots as a sideshow and he fires himself out of a cannon, clings onto the duff blimp. Is it the blimp? Yeah, it is the blimp, isn't it? Yeah. And it uh, rescues Homer. Homer dra- drags him out of the out of danger. And he says, oh, you know what? It feels good saving somebody. But I could also drop you to your death. But Homer's like, I don't think so. Wrap my legs around <laughs> you pretty tight. Yep. But then hear another gunshot. And this time Duffman has been shot. And I thought, oh, poor Duffman. Poor Didn't Duffman. deserve this. Also, a bit of a callback to the earlier hang gliding thing as well. It's not exactly the same, yep. but it's not dissimilar. My original thought was, this better not be a hang glider, because that would make no sense. <laughs> 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 they see Junior, he's on the stilts, and they drop down into their own stilts, they steal from the bullies. It's the slowest chase of all time. Slowest chase scene. It is. Like a lot of things in this episode, that stilt gag just goes on a bit too long, even with the payoff of the cops on stilts later on. But uh, well, we, we forgot to mention the big one, actually, because I sort of skimmed over it, but when he fires through the door at Moe's, the door opens and closes a few times. I was yeah, like, that's right, yeah. What? Mm. What? That, that's not, not funny. No, 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 no anyway, not really. <laughs> I, I guess they were just going for that Bob on Rake's repeated gag, but just didn't, guess, seem, to, yeah. didn't seem to land that one anyway. So they, they chase and they catch up to him and he reveals himself to be Frank Grimes Jr. And, of course, Homer Trudiform can't remember who that is. I know you. You're my mechanic, Jr. Frank Grimes Jr. Frank Grimes. Don't you remember? Your ape-like incompetence drove my father insane. Frank Grimes. What's this? Extremely high voltage. Well, I don't need safety gloves because I'm Homer Sim. Oh, yeah. How is old Grimey? He's dead, like you should be. Whoop! Oh, wait. Frank Grimes wasn't married. How could he have a son? He happened to like hookers, okay? We get the flashback here from season eight, Homer's Enemy. Mm. This was the f- the first episode of the new era when it comes to the animation style using the the computer uh, coloring or whatever. Yep, it was so so obvious the difference between a season eight drawn mm. episode and this, wasn't it? The colors, oh yeah, the colors were very vibrant in this one because I didn't realize it going into it that it was the first episode to use this form of uh, animation. It didn't dawn on me whilst I was watching it. it didn't it didn't sort of pop out and. I didn't go, oh, that looks different from the last episode. But still, when you compare it to previous episodes, it's like, oh, wow, it actually looks very different. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think it, they, it was an improvement? I guess it was an improvement just for the just for the anim- animators, just easier for them. And I think it, so, yeah. It wasn't wasting paper, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I do prefer the uh, that, that crisper look that sort of pops a bit more. Yeah. I mean, that's, of course, there's something to be said for or the way it was, but... Where, how much of that is nostalgia talking is a, you know, mm. a, a question for another day, perhaps. Yeah, well, that's one, one thing I've, I've mentioned before on the podcast. Whenever you talk to one of the original animators, they always say, the ones that still work on the show, they wish to an extent that they got a chance to at least do a couple of episodes the original way because there's just that nostalgia factor and it's just that that crudeness to it that just adds that charm. Mm. It, just, it, it, it feels like, you, you know, a lot of love went into it as opposed yeah. to just drawing it on a computer. It feels yeah. handmade, yes. The murderer is... I know, Frank Grimes Jr. Huh? Precisely. This actually fit the Lisa character perfectly. We know who it is. Yeah, we know it's Frank Grimes Jr. Precisely. Yeah. And it's Bumblebee. <laughs> 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 That's really good. 
the police then give Bob the rhino tranquilizers and um, and take him on his way. We never actually see Bob break out again. I would guess he break uh. out on the way back to prison, maybe. Who knows? But anyway, Bart's back in bed. And as Homer mentions, every parent's dream to outlive their children. Closes the door and Bob is on the back of the door. He throws mm-hmm. the button at the window so that, Bob can't, uh, so that Bart can't shock him. Then says he's going to take Lenny's advice and kill Bart very quickly. But he can't do it. And why can't he do it, Mr. Davis? Because he's grown accustomed to his face. Yeah, I thought this was a very nice, sweet song. I like it. It is. It's, I, think, I think it's from My Fair Lady. I want the turn down that original cast recording and go to sleep. <laughs> I've grown accustomed to his face and dreams of gouging out his eyes. I've grown accustomed to my hate, my plans to lacerate, to disembowel, to hear him howl. The very reason that I live is plotting how to watch him die. Bart, turn down that original cast recording and go to sleep. I know this chubby scalawag has made my life a living hell. Surely if I drank his blood, I'd be at peace, but well. You've grown accustomed to my face. This isn't a duet. Sorry. I've grown accustomed to your fear. Accustomed to revenge. Accustomed to your face. He tries to leave in the end. Bob does, he says, I'll see you again someday. But unfortunately, he's thrown the button into the bird's nest and they're pecking it away. And um, he's getting zapped <laughs> continuously. <laughs> so like I said at the start, a bit of a, it's just a fun whodunit episode. Nothing too crazy. But I just like the nostalgia factor of it, bringing Frank Grimes back into it because he's one of the more iconic one-time characters of all time. And Sideshow Bob's always good for a laugh or just, just good for a, an interesting story, at least anyway. His episodes are always different. They always stand out. You always remember them. Indeed. And... As is as is the Guy Davis way, I started the episode thinking one thing, and by the end, I've pretty much done a one eighty and gone. You know what? So and so, not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so sideshow Bob this time around. Yeah, not so bad. Good on you, <laughs> on you, Bob. But Louise cooks you dinner first bite. Pretty shit. <laughs> Get to the end. Delicious. <laughs> Bellissimo. <laughs> Bon appetit. <laughs> <laughs> what what you have failed to take into account there is that I would never say or even think that uh, the lovely Louise's food would be anything vaguely resembling shithouse. She hits a winner every time. What did we learn, Palmer? What did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Um, that if I was going to rebrand myself and have like a late career, third act career change, um, I would be a mechanic named Mr. Sasswrench, the name that uh, I think Bob gives uh, Frank Grimes Jr., earlier in the episode. Oh, there you go. I learned, and I learned this the hard way, is never put a Band-Aid on a hairy leg. Because <gasps> it really hurts. <laughs> I, I used to, When I was younger, actually, I used to shave my right, because I used to have to put strap up my right shin when I was playing football. Mm-hmm. So I used to always have to, sh- I used to always have a shaved right shin because I was just like, every time, you know, like the proper football, band, like strap stuff that's really yeah. sticky. It was painful. So for about two or three years there, throughout my teenage years, just bald 
Bald as a baby's bum on my right leg. Fuck <laughs> 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 oh, That's very cute. From this day forward, your name shall be... All right, it is the Guy Davis New Name Championship for season 14. <laughs> the current leaderboard stands at this. In first position, we have Philip Hawkins on four points. We have a lot of people on three points. Declan Phoenix, Luke McKay, Steve Roberts, Nick Patterson, James Proctor, and Garode Harrahill all on three. And various people on two points, Emma or M. Kufos, Nora Cocker, or Coker, and Becky Manners on two points, as well as Talia Enriquez. So hit me, Mr. Davis. What have our patrons got for us this week for The Great Louse Detective? Yes, indeed. Some uh, some very good new titles for this episode. Some so good, in fact, that I've had to do that thing again where we split up some points or we award more points. But let's just say that when it comes to one point, there are two people getting one point each. Then mm-hmm. when we get to two points, there are two people getting two points each. Then we get three points. There's one person getting three points. It's just a European gangbang of points here. I love it. It is. <laughs> Thank God it's European, specifically uh, European. It's a cl- it, it's a it's a classy European. It's a classy continental gangbang, as opposed to one of those continental. as opposed to one of those vulgar Australian gangbangs. Yeah, exactly. Indeed. So, so what have we got? Uno point goes to Luke McKay mm-hmm. for grime scene investigation. Oh wow, played sir, good stuff. Not, I like it's it. Not too, really good. It's, it's not too bad. Just as I mean, good. It gives away the it gives away the um the mystery straight away, but I don't mind that. I was a bit yeah concerned about these. Are, there, there are things that I have to take into account when I am coming up with the um the winners and and place getters in the new name challenge. But then I just throw that away and say, ah, fuck it, sounds good. Yeah, fuck <laughs> it. It's uh, fun. Hey, who who also is going to get one point? Why it's Steve Roberts. Ooh, Steve Roberts. Yes, yeah, who what gave Steve us, got for us? Who also blew the ending with. Once Upon a Grimes in Springfield. Yeah, that also works. That also works. And you being a big fan of Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood would have liked that title. So, well Indeed. played, Steve. Well, I think Steve's a fan as well because he put the dot, dot, dot after Grimes as it as they do yep. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, yeah, a bit of a shout-out there. Uh, shout-outs as well go to the following two people, each of whom gets two points. Michael Hilario um, gave us... Red-Headed Redemption. Ooh, not bad. I've never played the game Red Dead Redemption. It's not a video game, obviously, but um, but yeah, well played. Good stuff. Two mm. points there. Well played, sir. Two points also go to Thalia Enriquez. Ooh, Talia. Just climbing up that leaderboard. Well well done, Talia. Yeah. What's she got for us? I, I like this very much. A who don't Oh, perfect. Mm, donut. See, it's got the dough. <laughs> it's got the old whodunit in it. Well done, Talia. It's Simple, got- but effective. It is indeed, and trailing it off with mm, donut, so that's pretty good. But uh, three points go to, and I'm not sure if this person has uh, made an appearance on the leaderboard this time around, but uh, it's return of the Mac. You knew that they'd be back. It's D.L. Gorman. (laughs) (laughs) D.L. Gorman has not appeared yet, but they have appeared now with three points, and I love it. The first time they appear, three points. <laughs> just, just back and like, you know, just, swaggering in. Just letting you guys know that I'm still around here. And I'm still fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> DL gave us the very simple but very, very effective clue dope. Perfect. Have we have we had clue dope for another one? I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe. Now here's the thing: our American, our American friends, or even maybe friends outside Australia, are going to go. 
I, what? I, I don't get it. What? Because they don't play Cluedo. They play Clue. Mm. They play but, Clue, that's for sure. That's right, yeah. But so I've, got, Austra- I've got Seinfeld Clue, not Seinfeld Cluedo. Ah, well, we in Australia play Cluedo. Yeah, that's right. So, and guess what? This show is made in Australia by a couple of Australians. So, you know, if it says Cluedo, going to go with Cluedo. Cluedo, mate. <laughs> so that leaves the current leaderboard as this. It's just thrown spanners in the works. We now have four people in first position. Talia, Steve, Luke, and Philip, all on four points. We have DL, Nick, James Proctor, Garoda Harrahill, and Declan Phoenix all on three. And two points each to M. Kufos, Nora Coker, Becky Manners, and Michael Hilario. Thank you so much, guys. Don't forget, if you want to be a part of the Guy Davis New Name Championship and potentially win yourself some cold, hard cash, just got to go to patreon.com slash discount Link is in the description of this podcast where... Because you guys have been donating so much money to us, we've been able to invest in some pretty legit uh, equipment here. Mm. I've got a a, a roadcaster, roadcaster pros like a panel here for the podcast. Now we've both got some Shure SMB microphones. Guys arrived today, so he hasn't set it up yet. But I'm using the Shure Seven or SM7B microphone. Got some legit Rode booms here. Getting some new cameras mm. soon. Some new lighting. It's all thanks to you guys. Thank you so much. We thought, you know what? You guys are supporting the show. It's about time we give you some quality product in return. Just Indeed. Besides the quality laughs, it needs to sound like quality. So Indeed. next episode, you hear Mr. Davis on Four Finger Discount. It's going to sound crisp and amazing. I'm currently using a tin can and a string. In a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, patreon.com slash discount, guys. Thank you so much to everybody who continues to support the show there and to also everybody who continues to support the show just by listening to us each and every week. You're all absolute champions and I'm glad you're still enjoying the show. Still plenty more seasons to get through. We're going to get through, what, what so season 33. Still mm. nearly 20 seasons to get through, Mr. Davis. We're going to be here for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be Hans Molman by the end of it. <laughs> I like a Simpsons. Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh. All right, it is time for the Great Louse Detective Mailbag. The first question here we're going to answer comes from Katie Giacca. She says, what criminal alive or dead would you want to help you solve a mystery? Hans Gruber. Ooh. Oh, that's a really great answer, Dando. Nicely played. He's an exceptional thief. <laughs> just, be, just be fun to hang out with him. Indeed. Oh my God, you're one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> such, such, such great acting by the late Mr. Rickman. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this and I wonder how many actual criminal masterminds in real life that there are. I've read something very interesting when I was young and it always stuck with me. The greatest criminal is the one that you've never heard of. Yep. They've stayed under the radar, got away with all these incredible crimes and there's no clue to link them to any of it. So that's so the kind of criminal... In, sitting in their mansions on top of giant piles of money with many beautiful ladies. Indeed, yeah. And they're savvy enough to sort of cover their tracks. Oh, you know, I had a few good investments, you know. I you know, invested in Apple back in eight, back in the 80s or something, and you know, I'm just living off that. Oh, yeah, nothing like that. Having said that, if we're talking about fi- fictional criminals, uh, I'd like to throw a shout-out to the late great actor who passed away recently, Michael K. Williams, uh, and say I would probably want uh, Omar from The Wire working alongside me. Oh, yeah, man. That that hit me hard, man. That's That was so sad. That was a real drag. That was an absolute bummer. It really bummer. was, yeah. He seemed like one of those guys who was 
he'd hit his stride a while back, but he was still he was just still churning out really great work. You were never unhappy when Michael K. Williams showed up and everything. It's like, oh man, these guys want to do something good because they hired MKW. Yeah, so losing him was a, a an absolute bummer. Shout out to our to our man Michael K. Williams. Omar is one of the greatest TV. What would you call him? Would you call him is like an anti-hero? Yeah, anti-hero antagonist. Yeah, I mean he he made he made no bones about the fact that he was on the wrong side of the law, but also recognised the corruption of the system. Yeah, a, 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 a standout character in a standout show. Yeah, Omar coming. Omar coming. I I, I really I really wished I was hoping for like a little newspaper um, sketch like cartoon of some people. Some beloved actors at the golden at the um, pearly gate saying Omar coming as he walked I think, in. I think I did see a sign of just the pearly gates and someone. Oh, there. okay. And good. Yes, someone who Omar come. Yeah, <laughs> God, God was amazing. like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, if you're looking for a good show, by the way, uh, listeners, and this also goes out to Dan. Have you got Foxtel, Dan, or have you gotten rid of it? Yeah, but we're going to cancel it now that football's finished. Yeah. If you've got binge, yep. there's a show called Hap. H.A.P. and Leonard. And it's mm-hmm. a... Michael K. Williams is in it playing Leonard. Uh, this uh, other actor named James Purefoy uh, plays Hap. They're these two sort of hard luck friends in Texas in the 1980s. Not quite crims, but they sort of invariably find themselves on the wrong side of the law or near the... But they're in the right, but they walk on the wild side a bit. It went for three seasons, like six episodes apiece. Really, really good show. Definitely worth checking out. Okay. There we yeah. go. All right. Well, next question here comes from Adam Vergona. And he says, what are some of your favorite mystery movies slash TV shows? Hmm, what well, about you? Which movies caught me caught me by surprise? Because I sort of went into it not knowing exactly what it was about. Was Knives Out. That was a lot of fun. I was just about to mention that one as well. Knives Out's a really good one. Yeah. When did you watch it? Just recently or a while back? Oh, no, it, it wasn't long after it came out. It was just sort of yeah. one of the new movies that was just flicking through saying, just out, like just it just sort of come to streaming. And I was like, okay, I'll check this out. I watched it. I was like, this is a genuine fun whodunit, you know? And it, it, it features actors that I was like, oh, I didn't realize he was going to be in it. Oh, I didn't realize she was going to be in it. Yeah, you look at the cast. It's like, wow, this has got Jamie Curtis and Tony Collette and Don Johnson and Daniel and Craig. And Shane Tatum's in it, right? Is it Shane Tatum? No. Who was no? it? Knives Out cast. Who am I confusing you for then? Hang on, Knives Out. Oh, maybe it's just because Shannon Tatum made a, a cameo in um Free Guy and he was fucking hilarious in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no, Chris Evans. Chris Evans, sorry, Chris Evans. Chris Evans, that's right. Chris Evans is fantastic yeah. in it. Yeah, a real departure from Captain America. So, yeah, that's a really good one. And Ryan Johnson, who made that, also made The Last Jedi. But his first yep. movie is another really cool whodunit called Brick, uh, starring mm-hmm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it's basically like a 40s detective mystery slash film noir style, but in a modern high school or in a tw- uh, early 2000s high school. And they all speak in this kind of slang that's very sort of hard-boiled. It's really good and a, and a legitimately cool. interesting mystery. So, yeah, Brick is definitely worth checking out. But, yeah, I like Knives Out as well very much. Yep. All righty. All right, we'll do a couple more questions here. All right, let's. so let's flick through. What have we got? We are flicking through... Isaac Marinan says, do you have any favourite storylines where the protagonist and antagonist have to work together? Hmm. You could throw in the end of Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader and Luke. I reckon so. Yeah, That, that was always a big moment for me in my childhood. But when Darth Vader eventually picked up the Emperor and saved Luke, that was huge. Hmm. That was a huge moment for me as a kid. I, I 
I'll never forget the first time I saw that. It was yeah. massive. Awesome. The aforementioned Last Jedi, where uh, Ray and uh, Kylo Ren are fighting together yeah. in the uh, in Snoke's throne room. That was pretty rad. I quite like that. That was like the only moment that like I bought the Blu-ray to watch. Just I just I skipped straight to that moment, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm done now." <laughs> it's a real standout <laughs> oh, and moment. Mark Hamill's fucking little like shoulder flick at the end. <laughs> um, a lot of Michael Mann movies are like that, where the protagonist and the antagonist sort of tend to have to work together. Collateral is a bit like that. The one with Tom yeah. Cruise and Jamie Fox. That's a really great movie, and one that I might rewatch a bit later on. There we go, listeners. Every podcast <laughs> might watch that tonight. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's a good movie. But I might watch it later on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good to know that I'm predictable in some ways. Never change. <laughs> <laughs> um, got any, any more? Villains and heroes working together? I I reckon they're, they're among my favourites. Okay, fair enough. I'll do one more question here. All right, this one's more movie-based for you, so I'm sure you'll appreciate it. Andrew Swan, what's your favourite overall twist in a movie slash TV show? Mm. I don't know if it's a twist so much. It's more like they're trying to pull a bit of a twist or pull a bit of a Swifty. Mm-hmm. But I remember back in like, I think it was 1990 actually, when the first, the original Total Recall came out. <laughs> I don't think anyone remembers the remake with Colin Farrell. But uh, I thought you were going to say The Crying Game. Oh, mm. I think that had kind of been blown by the time I got to see it. I think, you know, everyone's like, yeah. oh, don't tell the secret of The Crying Game. And then... Eventually, people were telling the secret of the crying game. You get there. It's one of those movies, if you know the, the, the reveal, it's like, eh, I don't need to see it now. Hmm. But it's still a, pre- actually, it's a pretty well-made movie. A pretty interesting story. But yeah, that, uh, that twist is a bit of a, whoa. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you found out the, the Sixth Sense one? Was that huge? Yeah, that was, that was interesting because before it came out, there was a lot of talk about, there's a twist. And I'm like, well, I don't want to find out this twist. But, of course, it was the early days of the internet as well. So, um, yeah, I remember scrolling through something and there was no spoiler warning or anything like this. Like, Yeah, yeah. Spoiler warning wasn't really a thing then, was it? No. Compared to what it is now. But I wouldn't be surprised if The Sixth Sense was one of the ones that really kick-started spoilers. And people tend to respect spoiler warnings now as opposed to back then. It's almost gone a bit too far in the opposite direction, though. I mean, uh, it's like... Oh, you revealed something about the movie. It's like, well, I've got to tell you a little something about. It. No, I didn't want to know such and such. Like, yeah. But it happens I, in I the don't first know anything. 20... Stop talking. Stop talking. I'm like, I'm just, shut up. Well, then Fine. don't listen. Plug your ears. But, you know, yeah. I've got to tell you what happens in the first 20 minutes, at least. Or, you know, what I'm telling you happens in the first 20 minutes. It doesn't affect the rest of the movie. But anyway, sorry. We... That's, that's like, I can't say something. So I brought up The Fugitive at work last week, right? Because we're talking about The Fugitive on the podcast, and it's something of The Fugitive come up at work. And I was going to say something. They go, oh, don't say it. I haven't seen it yet. I'm like, it's 30 years old. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm allowed to talk about the fucking movie. They're like, oh, no, no, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Don't say anything. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> but anyway, continue. Uh, uh, going back, yes. Um, in Total Recall, the Arnold one, he's in the middle of his um, get your ass to Mars thing. He's gone to Mars. He's delving into this mystery. And then some guy rocks up and says, uh, I'm from that place that import- I don't, I, 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 don't, don't tell me I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, may I may I continue? May I tell you? I mean, you've seen, you've yes. seen Total Recall. Uh, if you, but okay, listeners, if you don't want to know the end to Total Recall or the spoiler, don't listen. Well, this Turn isn't really thanks, a spoiler. Thanks for listening, guys. You're all absolute champions. <laughs> I don't know if it's even really a spoiler as such. 
but you know, a bloke rocks up and says, Arnold, I'm from that place that in, uh, installs fake memories. You know, that place he went to earlier on. And, you know, you think you're a secret agent. Everyone's trying to kill you. Right now, you're in the middle of a psychotic break. And, you know, I'm here to pull you out of it. And he's like, no, you're not. You're here to some, you're trying to fool me. I'm actually a secret agent trying to save the world. And it's like, mm, are you really, though? Or is it more likely that, you know, our memory implant thing just fucked up a little bit? And, you know, this guy's really convincing. And Arnold's like, hmm, maybe. And I don't know. I, I remember distinctly being in the cinema <laughs> and going, whoa, <laughs> like Keanu <laughs> when they did that. <laughs> also, I think the best, the, the best twist ever, top three at least, has got to be either Planet of the Apes or Empire Strikes Back, right? Oh, yeah. Planet of the Apes especially. <laughs> yeah. You maniacs. Blow it up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Statue of Liberty. It was our planet. Uh, that's <laughs> great. Yeah, one of the all-time great twists in movies and one led to one of the all-time great gags in The Simpsons. <laughs> if you, by the way, are a fan of Deep Space Homer and you want to hear Guy and myself review it, we did so last month for the patrons. It's mm. available at patreon.com slash fourfigurediscount. Each month we allow the patrons to choose a classic episode from the first 10 seasons and we go back and revisit it because Guy wasn't here for the first 10 seasons of the show. That's true. And we all love to hear Guy's perspective on the classic episodes. So Deep Space Homer was the latest one we did. And the next one we're doing this month is going to be Bart of Darkness, where his mm. epidermis is showing. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Bart of Darkness is definitely the front runner, isn't it? Is the, are the votes closed? Is it? Uh... Yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's going to win. It's definitely going to win because the voting <laughs> closes very, very soon. But anyway, guys, that is our review of The Great Laos Detective. Hope you guys enjoyed our recap of the episode. The next episode is going to be called Special Edna. Now, I remember the start of this episode, but I can't remember all too much about it. I just know that Mrs. K wins an award for just being awesome because we do love Mrs. K. She's an absolute Ooh, champion. Yeah. And anything with uh, with Edna now, we do hold very dear to our hearts now that we've unfortunately lost Marsha Wallace. So I'm looking forward to reviewing Special Edna. That is the next episode of Four Finger Discount. Don't forget, if you also... Want to hear our thoughts on South Park or Seinfeld or all the other shows that we do? You can find uh, early access at patreon.com slash discount. All they're also available for free wherever you find your podcast, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else. Just look for either Talking Seinfeld, Going Down to South Park, or can also check out the podcast I do with my wife, Nicola, where we review Friends, which is called The One About Friends. Also available on Spotify. Uh, iTunes and all the other various podcast places. Please don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Four Finger Discount and follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod. You create a bit of a stir on Twitter this week, Mr. Davis, hanging some shit on Bojack Horseman. Oh, oh, I've got, I've got to double check that. Yeah, I, I knew I threw the gag well, in. Well, someone, but s- I deleted one thing because someone sent like genuine hate mail, and I was like, I need to oh, get rid of real. this. Oh, for real? I was like, oh. they were really upset. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I, I didn't mean it as a. As a total insult, even though Bojack's not really my speed, but uh, oh, interesting. I'm going to have a look at that now. Because Mitch, Mitch was a big fan of Bojack, and he used to always talk it up. And you stroll <laughs> along and fucking just put it, put it to the sword. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was one like really, really, really abusive comment, and I deleted it. <laughs> oh wow! And I blocked them. <laughs> <laughs> I also like the one I, I want, the one about the so, prestige. I thought that was pretty funny. Yes, it was. So if you want to see guy piss people off, follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, guys, thank you so much for continuing to support the show. And if you do like the show and you want to get exclusive access to some bunch of um podcasts that you won't fi- won't find here in the free feed, and get early access to all of our uh, all of our other shows, as well as access to some Zoom calls and just a bunch of other stuff, just go to patreoncom slash discount where. 
you just got to be for as little as $1 per month. Uh, $1 per month, and you get access to the Facebook group where you get to banter with Guy and myself on Facebook each and every day of the week. It's a great community yeah. we have there on the Facebook page. It really And is. I highly recommend it if you are a Simpsons fan or just a fan of good people in general. It's just as little as $1 per month to support the show and allow us the opportunity to buy new equipment and invest back into the show so we can make it the best possible show for all you listeners who we love very dearly. Like I said, next week is Special Edna. This has been the Great Louse Detective. Mr. Davis, any final words for those amazing listeners out there? We'll keep talking like this if you write us a check. Shh.